Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the cases of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. Today, we are kicking off with some updates from previous cases. And I truly cannot believe we are still talking about this, but perhaps the most famous case in true crime history, or at least true crime podcast history, is that of Adnan Saeed. As a young man, he was convicted of the 1999 killing of his ex-girlfriend, Hei Min Lee, when the two were both in high school, but he has always maintained his innocence. His case was the subject of the first season of the breakout hit, Serial, which in many ways set the stage for this entire genre. In September of last year, however, Baltimore Circuit Judge Melissa Finn vacated Saeed's conviction. This came five days after Baltimore prosecutors had filed a motion to vacate. The state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, said in that motion that, quote, the state no longer has confidence in the integrity of the conviction, in part because after a year-long reinvestigation, they had found new information, including a set of alternative suspects. After the release, the state had 30 dates to decide if they wanted to pursue a new trial against Saeed, which they ultimately declined to do. However, that's not the end of the story. In the wake of the overturned conviction, the family of Heyman Lee filed an appeal asking for a redo of the hearing, arguing that the court had not given Heyman's brother, Young Lee, enough notice to reasonably allow him to attend the hearing. He was instead forced to see the proceedings via Zoom. This week, a Maryland appellate court found in favor of Young Lee, thus reinstating Adnan Saeed's conviction. The two-to-one ruling said that the lower court had in fact violated Lee's rights. The decision stated, because the circuit court violated Mr. Lee's right to notice of and his right to attend this hearing on the state's motion to vacate, this court has the power and obligation to remedy those violations as long as we can do so without violating Mr. Saeed's right to be free from double jeopardy. The Lee family was pleased with the outcome, with the attorneys stating, it is in everyone's interest, including Mr. Saeed's, to have all the evidence aired publicly. We want the truth, and if Adnan Saeed is not the guy, then we want him out, which I loved hearing that from the Lee's family side. Absolutely. Saeed's attorney were less enthused. In a statement, they said that the conviction was reinstated, quote, not because the motion to vacate was erroneous, but because Miss Lee's brother did not appear in person at the hearing. We agree with the dissenting judge that the appeal is moot and that Mr. Lee's attendance over Zoom was sufficient. There is no basis for re-traumatizing Adnan by returning him to the status of convicted felon. The case shows the full complexity and challenge of the legal system. We continue to hope both Adnan and the Lee family find justice. One more update, although this was not a case that we covered on Current Affairs or the main show. So many of you have been following the trial of Aiden Fucci and the murder of Tristan Bailey, and we have heard from a ton of you about it. So we wanted to share some important news. For those who haven't been following the trial, then 14-year-old Aiden Fucci was accused of stabbing 13-year-old Tristan Bailey more than 100 times on Mother's Day 2021. Part of the reason the crime was so notable was the brutal callousness of the killer. Fucci was arrested a day after the murder on May 10th, 2021, and actually posted a selfie of himself in the back of a patrol car. The caption read, Hey guys, has anybody seen Tristan lately? While well, Fucci gave a peace sign. How could he even do that? 
Fuji was set to go on trial in February, but just before it was to begin, Fuji pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. This week, he was sentenced to life in prison, the highest sentence available for a minor in Florida. At a sentencing hearing, Tristan's mother, Stacy Bailey, said, Please do not for one second think he could be rehabilitated at any point. He is beyond saving. Aiden isn't the only member of his family set to face justice in the murder. Aiden's mother, Crystal Smith, is scheduled to begin trial in April for tampering with evidence after she allegedly washed blood off of Aiden's jeans to try to cover up the killing. Oh, that poor mother. She was 13 years old with her life ahead of her. Well, now on to other current news. This story is one that has been lighting up social media, guys. This week, a Mississippi woman was arrested for shooting her husband to death while live streaming on Facebook Live. Last Saturday, Facebook Live captured an intense argument between Kadeja Brown and her husband, Jerry Brown. According to the Lone Dees County Sheriff, the couple had been arguing most of the night and Jerry was attempting to leave the apartment to let everyone cool down. The video showed the couple fighting about Jerry not helping enough with their children. It also appears Kadeja's mother was there as well. At one point, Jerry yelled, don't touch me, tell your daughter to keep her hands off of me. The fight got more and more heated with Jerry threatening to call the police and Kadeja and her mother were both screaming at Jerry. Finally, the picture went black and the argument got louder and louder for a few moments before a single gunshot rang out, followed by what the New York Post called strident wails. Police arrived just a few minutes later at around 7.40 a.m., recovering a 9mm pistol and arresting Kadeja. Her bond has now been set at $750,000. One more story to close out the day, and this one is a little bit more positive, at least in terms of those seeking justice. Okay. In August of 2011, an Ohio art student named Caitlin Markham was reported missing. She had been close to graduating from the Art Institute of Cincinnati and had grand plans to move to Colorado. Caitlin's fiancé, John Carter, was the last person to see her alive, but when she did not show up for work at David's Bridal, he frantically reported her missing. On the 911 call, he can be heard saying, I know you're not supposed to report a missing person before 24 hours, but my fiancé is missing and I cannot find her anywhere. When her apartment was searched, all of her personal belongings had been removed, except, curiously, her cell phone, which had its GPS turned off. For two years, her family hoped beyond hope that she would resurface. Fiancé Carter said in an interview with local TV, I keep believing that if she is somewhere in the worst-case scenario, that she fights her way out. I keep wanting to believe that because she's strong. I know she's strong, so she's got to manage to make her way out. Ultimately, Carter and the family's hopes were dashed. In April 2013, Caitlin's remains were found at a dump site in Indiana, about 30 miles away from where she lived. Authorities ruled her death a homicide but a cause of death was never determined, and for 10 long years, there seemed to be precious little movement on the case. That was until this week, when grieving fiancé himself, John Carter, now 34, was arrested and charged with two counts of felony murder. His bond was set at $1 million. At the arraignment, the prosecutor shared a number of new details. These included a forensic anthropology report that suggested blunt force trauma to Caitlin's wrists, a report that her remains were actually found somewhere different than had been reported. Writings from Carter in a binder found in his mother's house, which is where he was living when Caitlin disappeared. And these writings are some of the most 
damning evidence and suggested that Carter was definitely at war with himself. He wrote, deep down, I love her. You ought to kill her. But I love her. She must die. I can't kill her. Yes, you can. No, yes. How do you talk me into all these things? I'm just that good, but you're bad. I know. How do I kill you? You can't. You're right. About what? Nothing. Terrifying. While Caitlin's family is understandably relieved to see progress in their daughter's case, they don't appear to be shocked by the accusation that it was Carter who was responsible. Caitlin's father, Dave Markham, said, It's not a surprise. I mean, I did suspect him all along. Obviously, having his daughter's potential killer arrested doesn't bring her back. But here's hoping the whole Markham family is heading towards the resolution of knowing that someone is paying for the crime. Absolutely. Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette. Signing off for Love, Murder, Current Affairs.